Welcome to the family with Dave Schrader and Andy Brampernard. Magnificent. We'll be right back in just a couple of seconds. Uh, great guest coming up, Eric Huberman. The book, The Hawk Method, The Three Principles of Marketing That Made Over 3,000 Brands Soar. He'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the wins and failures of Sunday Super Bowl commercials. Uh, look at this year's Super Bowl ads, winners and losers. I love it. Eric's up next with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Well, was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. <laughs> By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Let me know when Eric's ready to go. Uh, he is. Eric, and how are you today? I'm good. How you doing? Marvelous. You pronounce your last name Huberman? Yeah. Can you hear me? I wanted to make, I wanted to make sure. Eric Huberman with us, ladies and gentlemen. The book, The Hawk Method, The Three Principles of Marketing That Made Over 3,000 Brands Soar. Serial entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, to break down some of the wins and failures of Sunday's Super Bowl commercials. A look at this year's Super Bowl ads, winners and losers. We're well, talking about a number of things, Eric. So where would you like to start? You want, to, you want to start with the commercials? Uh, I mean, wherever. Start with what, say? Yeah, we can start with the commercials, if that's okay with you, the Super Bowl commercials, because yeah, I liked one of them, and the rest of them you could keep. <laughs> Which one did you like? I like the E-Trade one. I love any little two-year-old that walks up and goes, I told you I'm retired. I, any commercial that starts with that, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, if you're talking about the general, you know, the best way to make a Super Bowl commercial is to land on humor. I mean, People are having fun. And with anything in marketing, you got to think about the context in which someone's getting that advertisement. It's easy to reach whoever you want. So it's kind of an old school thought to say, 
oh, well, are we re- reaching our demographic? I think everyone's heard that term. That's easy right. to do these days. There's no reason you can't. But so you got to think like, how are they receiving it? What are they doing? And in this case, frankly, most of the country is drinking, eating junk food, watching football, having fun. That's the hope. And so if that's what they're doing, you want to make sure you contribute to that and you're part of that. So yeah. most of the winners and almost all of the winners, it's humor. It's something that people are like, oh, I like that. That was funny. It was free to away, you know, whether it was a Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd or the animals beatboxing, like those were ones that were really good. Um, you know, the, I thought the Larry David one, the FTX one was hilarious, but that might just be my own bias, but I thought that I was understand. a good one. Um, I understand. yeah. Did you not, I'm curious on your end. And again, we're looking at the views like did that one definitely did really well, but the winner actually, and I'd say the objective winner of the Super Bowl was the, uh, the Coinbase ad, which is interesting because it doesn't fall into what I just said. Yeah. That's that but, is very, very true. Know, yeah, the QR code bouncing around the screen for those that didn't catch it, that generated them 20 million clicks. People, 20 million people clicked that QR code during that ad. Which well, it would have been 20 million and one if it would have worked. Oh, didn't it work? Right, and so that was the issue. It, it, that's what they tracked, let alone all the people that didn't get through and didn't work. So that being said, if you do the math on that, from a Super Bowl ad, they actually directly generated about a 30 cent, 33 cent cost per click. And that is absurdly low for that quality of a click. So just from a marketing status, uh, statistics standpoint. So that absolutely was worth it for them to do and crushed it. That being said, obviously, it would have been nice if their site was ready for it. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been a good thing. Now, Eric, I I do have to ask you a question about... um, I, you know, I'm in a different generation. I was born in 1951. I'm 70 years old, so I'm, a, I'm you know, kind of out of the mix as far as that is concerned. But I found it kind of embarrassing, all of the Hollywood people that showed up in commercials. It was every person in I think, the, who did they miss? Did they miss, an, did they get Claudette Colbert in there? Did they dig her up? Or I just, I can't picture that. I cannot picture that before the digital era where now everybody's in everybody else's yeah. face, and now it's... I just couldn't see anybody doing that before. Yeah, so, I mean, and you mentioned the book, too. Like, we talk about there's three categories to marketing and three pillars, awareness, nurturing, and trust. Trust mm-hmm. is a major factor in marketing, building trust, and a big way oh, to yeah. do that if you haven't built your own brand or trust is third-party validation. What celebrities do for brands is if you already trust sure. that celebrity, which... I know we talk about in the news, like, don't trust celebrities, et cetera. But the problem is, if you're familiar with someone, there's an inherent trust. So it's a shortcut. And if it's not done right, it, and there's like, it's inauthentic, you get the uh, crypto.com ad, like, with LeBron, like, that. not going to feel right. But oh, if you do it God. right, like the Larry David ad, which is funny because you're talking about competitors, but the Larry David ad, it was so Larry David and it made so much sense. Like, and it's and it was so it was authentic because Larry David is authentically that guy. It's like ah, it's not going to work. And then let's be real. I think ninety something percent of the country at some point has looked at crypto and been like, I don't know about this, including myself. And so it was so like real and hit it. And they already know Larry David to be that guy versus having to educate the audience on like, don't worry, this is how this all works. This is who this is. So it's a shortcut, but it can hit or miss, and it's expensive. Like those celebrities make good money, so. It adds a lot to the budget of these things, but if you're spending seven million dollars on a thirty-second spot, spending a you know a few hundred thousand dollars more to get that celebrity to make sure that spot gets attention and builds that trust, is a lot of times worth it. Which is why I think a lot of people are doing this. It's just yeah, a little bit of an extra expense, 
Yeah, but I agree. Sometimes it feels che- a lot of times it feels cheesy, and it's like, did you really need to have these guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I got nothing against that they, they're out there to, in Hollywood to make money. I understand that. And they're actors, and they'd be acting in a movie yeah. or a TV show or a commercial. That, that's their job. I do understand it. Right. But I just, I like, maybe I'm just lame, but I like herding cats and two-year-olds retiring. That's what I like. Oh, I agree. I think baby, or kids and uh, pets are great commercials. Though, a few years ago, I remember uh, GoDaddy tried to do a commercial with a, you know, and it got banned by the Super Bowl. So sometimes that backfires. So. You kind of broke up there, Eric. The, the, the commercial had that. Oh, a few years ago, there was a uh, puppy milk commercial with the Super Bowl that with GoDaddy that actually got banned because they thought it was a bad taste. So, but I do think puppies and babies are great ways to draw people in that you don't have celebrities. No, I think that's true. Andy, we had a little bleed over there. Was that is that taken care of? Yep. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Eric, there, for some reason, somebody else talked and started talking right over you. We got, I don't know what happened, but yeah, I uh, in any, oh, you heard that too? Okay. <clears throat> I don't know where it came from. It's one of the things I love so much about digital, Eric. A lot of bleed over. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> I, I think exactly. it is a, no, I do have to ask you a question because you would know, know this probably better than anybody. This Super Bowl blew by, my God, they played it in like three hours almost on the nose. What was that all about? I mean, maybe the commercials made it uh, made it flow. I, I just I love the fact that the game didn't take five hours to play. That was a huge part of it for me. Well, I think that's just my rant for efficient. That's that's all that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah well. but no, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Like they, they seem to take the same amount of commercial breaks. I, I just don't actually know why that happened faster. But I, I was actually there, and it did feel actually like a normal pace of a game. Okay, don't lie to me, Eric, because I know you did, but I'm talking about other people. Was anybody wearing a mask <laughs> in that stadium? <laughs> Honestly, I God. Question, yeah. I, no, and actually, I did, but it's for other reasons. No, nobody wore a mask in that stadium. Um, I didn't think so. I, in fact, I actually mentioned this to some friends. There were there were security walking around asking people to put masks on, and everyone was ignoring them. But I, I, I'm being sincere. I wore a mask for other reasons. I've got someone at risk near me, but uh, I was one of the only ones. And well, I wore a mask because that actually does protect. <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to say you wore a mask because you planned to rob a bank on the way home from the Super Bowl. Is that, you know, that would have been a good plan, hey, some, too. Somehow i got to pay for those tickets, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So did, did you like the Super Bowl? Did you like most of the i tell you what, I, you know, we, we talked about the winners and losers. Did you like the game, first of all? Yeah, I thought it was a great game. I mean, the end of it was kind of odd and surprising like I, I, we were all expecting them to march take a field goal and then i was worried that the momentum would be on the Bengals side but you know then it didn't and so <laughs> yeah, i think the entire crowd was shocked but i will say and i've said this a few times it was i've, I've got tickets to the rams and chargers it was the most mellow football game i've ever been to in my life like right it's really funny to see when you get a bunch of corporate you know guests and celebrities and rich people frankly sitting in a crowd it's like they're golf clapping touchdowns. It's, it was a little bizarre to see because I, I, I went yeah. to the University of Arizona. Like I'm used to being a sports fan. Like I was cheering and screaming and doing all the things. And I would look around and be like, "Am I the only one yelling right now? Like, what, what is this?" Yeah, I, well, that's exactly that's exactly the feeling I got. And maybe that's why the game went by so quickly. Is just, and it wasn't. 
like the game didn't have any energy, but the crowd certainly did not have much energy. I just, I just thought, I mean, they, they weren't no. bad, but they certainly weren't over the top about anything. No, there were very few people over the top. And I, I even saw a guy get uh, pulled aside by security for a second because he was yelling too much and spilled his beer on somebody. Is that a football game? Like, you always, you always get beer spilled on you. Oh, they got they pulled him aside for yelling at a football game and spilling his beer on some people. Oh well, yeah, I suppose that part. Yeah, that part wouldn't probably fly too well. I mean, still, like, sure, but yeah, like, yeah, it didn't. But again, it's like in a normal football game, like you expect it. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. What do you think of the the current state of advertising the way it is? And, and the reason I ask you that, I, I did voiceover for about 35 years uh, from pretty much okay. 75 till 75 till about 2010, something like that. And, you know, I lived in New York and Chicago and, you know, tra- travel back and forth. This was before digital. So I had to when I did voiceover, I had to fly all over the world, for God's sake. It was it was unbelievable. But yeah. um, I've got looking at friends that literally have a studio in their closet now. It's oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's changed completely. You used to have to uh, travel a yeah. lot and the whole deal. Yeah, you're saying in terms of the, I mean, the current state of advertising, it changed a lot very recently. And it doesn't change as fast as people think. I think there's a, you know, sort of common lie told that like marketing is this giant moving target that they're, you know, chase a shiny object. And I think that's actually a fallacy and ends up putting a lot of people in a bad position. Facebook and Google were like two of the best advertising channels for the past decade. And when you realize that, you go, okay, so it doesn't change that rapidly. But the iOS changes, I mean, Apple changing, you know, iOS updates that screwed up Facebook a year ago are now, I mean, they're being seen in the market. What Facebook posted, what, $10 billion in losses last quarter? We're seeing that in advertising. So what we're seeing is Facebook was this golden goose forever, for a decade, and now it's not. And now it's another advertising channel. It doesn't mean it's broken and we shouldn't spend anything on it. It's just not what it was. And so go, we're having to go wider. We're having to do, be more strategic with what we do with that Facebook traffic because it is not as profitable as it was, meaning you have to find other ways to make it convert higher and make more money off those channels. So it's, what's nice is thankfully I like to think we're good at what we do. So we're actually benefiting from it because most of the agencies that have just lived off of straight Facebook ads for a long time aren't surviving and they're moving out of the way. And what's coming in are companies like ours that, look at full funnel marketing, look at all the things, all the different aspects that come into it and are able to say, hey, spend this much on Facebook, but you also need to do email marketing and text message marketing and Google and TikTok and TV and radio, et cetera. No, I think you're absolutely right about it. Is that a, is that a demographic thing? Did Facebook's demos get older? No, so that, and thank you for bringing that up because that's what I think a lot of people think. They There's do, yeah. There's so many people on all these platforms that, yeah, it's not a demographic thing. It's there's plenty of young people still on Facebook as much as there's plenty of old people on TikTok. It's there. It, demographics are reachable. What happened is Facebook had a really, really good uh, algorithm to optimize for people to buy, and it was all based on tracking through cookies. And so two things happened. One, uh, Apple really hurt that ability by for Facebook. So it's really hard to track individual behaviors and interests from Facebook off the platform now. So when someone's you know on Facebook and then goes to another platform on their iPhone, which the majority of the U.S. is on their iPhone, and the majority of people are shopping on mobile on their iPhone. So when you're dealing with that, now you can't Facebook can't track that as well, so they can't optimize for those types of people the same. So that was super powerful, and that went away. Number two, Facebook Facebook used to track 28 days after you left the plat or left or clicked an advertisement. 
they would track mm-hmm. if you purchase. So you had a 28-day window to see the results. They dropped, they had to drop that to seven days with the changes of iOS. So they only get seven days of tracking now. And the, like, we talk a lot about this in the book. There's something that a lot of people miss with marketing called the purchase cycle. And what that oh, is, yeah. is from the first time you're introduced to a company to when you actually buy, it's, there's a time period. And everybody forgets this on the marketing side. It's where every consumer will notice, but everybody that's marketing goes, we spend money today, we make money today. It's like, no, you advertise me today, it's going to take me weeks to months normally to buy your product. And if you're not able to track that and do things during that period to keep in touch with me, you're going to lose a lot of people during that what period. And Facebook used that. to track that. We have okay. a call from Polly. Was Polly the one that just dropped the F-bomb on the air there? That was good. It seems that way. <laughs> Polly, <laughs> what are you doing, really? Paul? You have a I question? I No, you were not. Yeah, I was wondering... <laughs> I was wondering. I was wondering what um, what um, um, you guys thought about the Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart commercial with the Dick Lighter. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting because they were kind of alluding to different things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I think that was one of those situations where it wasn't completely authentic. Where it's like Snoop Dogg didn't really fit. Like it was, it did fine. It just wasn't going to be the winner of the Super Bowl. What'd you think of that, Paulie? What? I thought that was a really shitty answer. Um, <laughs> well, you know, okay. talking about you passed the nice ball. talking to you, Paulie. Come <laughs> again someday. Yeah. Strategy. I don't get it. I don't know. Uh, what are you going to do? All right, Paulie. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, but um, I don't know what the hell is going on outside here. But, um, yeah. Cut that line, Andy. Cut and that line. Um, yeah. Thank oh, you, Paulie. There's another one. Well, <laughs> Eric, uh, <clears throat> Eric, uh, there's your demographic. That's why advertising dollars aren't being spent yeah. properly anymore. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Eric. It's your fault. Yeah, exactly. That's who you attract. <laughs> That was no, that I was the most. Like, I, I, I don't want someone to give me web service. Like, oh, thank you so much. Like, if you didn't like the answer, tell me. Yeah. Oh no, I don't think I don't think Paulie's like that. <laughs> I think he's going to tell you just what he thinks. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I, one exactly. thing to kind of light lighten the, the mood for, for just a minute. Uh, in my voiceover career, Eric, I did I endorsed just about everything. I did, you know, airline. I, I literally it was thirty five years. It was a wonderful run and the whole deal, but. My son Andy is the one engineering the show. He's the one you first talked to. Uh, he's the my uh, my wife and I have a son and a daughter, and they're both usually on the podcast. Alex is not on today. She's a teaching assistant today. But all of these things I did. I mean, I did everything from airlines to automobiles to McDonald's to. I mean, I did everything at some point in that thirty-five year period. My son and my daughter were only happy with one commercial I ever did. Out of all those years of doing commercials, they were very excited when I did an endorsement for Monsters, Inc. Macaroni and Cheese. So there you go, Eric. That's been my amazing. life right there. Yeah. <laughs> you, you said, know your audience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that, but trust me, it's the same thing with my family. Like, things that feel super big to me in my career, they're like, that's nice. And then the one thing I do that, like, resonates with them, they're like, that's amazing. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about, Eric. Now, one thing I do have yeah. to ask you that is, that is very, very important, and I don't see it a lot anymore. Do people not understand you need to protect the product anymore? And I'll give you an example. 
because I've been doing this morning show in, in Minneapolis since 1986, 30, 36 years doing this morning show in Minneapolis. And I'm out uh, eating pizza yeah. one time, and I'm with uh, uh, my attorney, a guy named Michael Bryant. He's on the show on Mondays. But we're sitting there, and one of the owners of the pizza place comes over, and he says to Michael, oh, yeah, I love your commercials. You do a great job. And, uh, Tom, I, I know who you are, but I, I don't listen to your show. And I thought to myself, do you not know what protecting the product is? Why would you come over here? And I don't care. I mean, I, I know that not everyone listens to yeah. my morning show. That's not the point. The point is, well, why am I at your pizza place? If you don't support me, why would I support you? I mean, yeah. why, would, why do yeah. people do a lot? That happens a lot now, Eric. I don't understand that they don't get yeah. protecting the product. I don't get it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think people's EQ has declined, meaning emotional quotient, like understanding, yes. empathy, those, those side of things. Yeah, I think I actually do think it's declined. I think, listen, we were all locked. It, it was declining before this, but now we've all been locked inside for two years. I yeah. think people forgot how to talk to each other. And I, th- I think, you know, it's less about protecting your product. I think it's just how to be a decent human being. And, you know, sometimes you can tell why, why like, love your show, even if you don't listen to it. You know, it's, exactly. I, I, honestly, I think just that sort of, rapport building is a lost is a bit of a lost art that's a shit but answer i don't mind it because frankly, I, <laughs> I also see it's a sh- <laughs> I, I, you know you can tell uh, uh, you're up eric sorry my fault oh, i was just gonna say i i do think that it's okay because my view of all these kind of things when you see you know majority of people doing something bad we live in a, com- a competitive world where if everybody else is bad at something and you're good at it, you're going to win. So as yeah, much as you want to yep. be frustrated that people haven't figured this out, if you have figured it out, then use it to your advantage. And that's how I look at it usually. It's like, it's weird that nobody's figuring this out, but then my product's going to win because I am going to protect it. See, that's exactly, uh, that's a brilliant way to think. And pe- well, it just, people don't get it for some reason. I, I you don't. Uh, open yourself up to criticism by telling someone, yeah, I don't support you. It's like, don't say that when I just paid good money for your product. That's not very smart. Yeah, he didn't even have to say anything. I mean, that's that's the thing. You don't have to lie. That was one way to do it. But you also could just be like, hey, great. You know, I've seen you. Great to see you. And then if you said, oh, how do you like the show? Then be like, you know, I've, I've heard it now and then or whatever. He's probably heard it once. Like, it's that kind of thing. Like, you don't need to just throw it like and again that's the eq thing like did you you know it's a, people are awkward <laughs> no eric you do know this is a podcast right so what i'm about to say this is a podcast you can say whatever you want on podcasts and you know that right so basically yeah. what i should have done when he said well i don't listen to your show i just said in the immortal words of Polly, fuck you <laughs> that's what i should have done what do you think <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, honestly it would have maybe honestly you might have helped the guy because then going forward he'd have that in the back of his head next time he wanted to say something <laughs> stupid exactly <laughs> right that's exactly right i think that's uh, Eric, part of the problem is a lot of people don't get the the sincere reaction from people i i credit it like, yeah i always tell people like one of the best reasons i've become a good salesman is because my dad was that reactive guy and i love my dad but he would, if I said the wrong choice of words, I'd get the reaction. And so I've always been sensitive to word choice because I grew up around it where it's like if I, the difference between saying something slight, like one word would change it from a no problem to like, go fuck yourself. So. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly it. I like yeah. this line that was written in your descriptor. Eric has distilled the art, and you brought this up already. Eric has distilled the art of marketing the three core elements, awareness, nurturing, and trust. 
I would agree. Obviously, the awareness part has to come first, because if you're not aware of it, you're not going to nurture or trust anyone, including yourself. But uh, the nurturing part is kind of is kind of brand awareness and protecting the product, isn't it? The nurturing part. Yeah, it's but it's staying in touch with people. I mean, the part, nurturing right. I think is the part that everyone misses. Everyone thinks of marketing as awareness. You think about Super Bowl right. commercials, you think about PR, you think about those things. But again, it goes back to that purchase cycle comment. Like people don't buy the first time they see you. Generally, I'm talking, I'm speaking in averages. People don't buy right away. So you have to employ tactics that actually help during that period. Again, it could be re- continuing to advertise, could be product protection, it could be just staying in touch in some way. And it's also merchandising. It's also it's basically everything that comes into actually getting someone to buy after mm-hmm. the where you exist. And, and then continuing to buy. Like the other piece people miss is it's not just about a first purchase of the company. You, for a company to survive, you need your com- customers to come back. That's oh, all yeah. the measuring. Um, Eric, we have uh, you have till till uh, noon central, do you not? I think. Do you have ten more minutes? Whenever you want me. Oh, excellent! Because sure. I just need to take a very, very quick break, and I'm going to get to the trust part, and it's a very important part to me. The trust part. We'll be right back in two minutes with Eric Huberman, ladies and gentlemen. The Hawk Method, the three principles of marketing that made over three thousand brands soar. Right back with Eric and the family. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Visit BloomingtonBoatShow.com. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listeners? Our customers at Homeco Insulation and Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank. When they referred to us, we knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member fdic and equal housing lender you all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in mike lindell to give you a great night's sleep mike's latest incredible deal is on the giza dream sheets which you've heard me rave about before that's for sure these sheets are made from the world's best cotton giza they are ultra soft and breathable yet extremely durable right now the giza dream sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Huberman, our special guest. The book is called The Hawk Method, The Three Principles of Marketing That Made Over 3,000 Brands Soar. We get to the very, very important, and again, awareness, very important. Nurturing, certainly important. Trust is very, very important, and the, the question I have for you, Eric, is, um, and I very quickly, 
Uh, I grew up a Democrat. My mother was a hardline Democrat. And then later on in life, I tried being a Republican, and I didn't care for that either. And uh, I'm pretty much a centrist politic- uh, politically. The trust part, is yep. right now, I have a problem with be- because, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Eric, I-, I have a problem in that you can't watch the news, you can't watch sports, you can't uh, no. follow politicians. There's no, there's no trust there anymore. That's a problem, isn't Agreed. it? No, I totally agree with you. I think it's a real problem. But I, again, similar to what I was saying before, I think with every problem, it's an opportunity because all these right. people are not trustworthy. Be trustworthy. If you're trustworthy now, you're going to stand down. I believe what you just said politically is actually like 80% of our country. I, do I, I think most people are so sick of the polarization that they're like, I think we actually all agree because I, I, I frankly was traditionally a pretty right in the center of liberal, not far liberal, but right in the center. Right. Now I can't recognize the Democrats or the Republicans. And I'm like, no. I think most people feel that way because of that trust factor. And it's all about money, whether it's politics or, or any of it. It's money, money, money. It's a, how much money can I make from lying my ass off? And that's, I try to watch, I, you know, because I get up at 3.30 in the morning, so I do a little show prep to, to go on the morning show. I try watching CNN and Fox and MSNBC. And, you know, I watch about four or five of the networks. I can't find one that tells the truth. They have their own version of the truth. But the complete truth, not one of them tells the complete, not even close to the complete truth. Um, and it's just gotten, well, Hollywood has gotten way over the top with that, too. The fact that I have to follow this political party to make sure that I succeed as an actor, that's not what acting's all yeah. about. Acting is about chops. I mean, I just started watching Cha- uh, Chapel Wait with, uh, with uh, Adrian Brody. That man can act. That's all I know. Yes. No, and I, I think, yeah, there's, I don't know when the pressure of being political as a celebrity came in, but, you know, yeah. it's, uh, who was it? Was it uh, James Corden that called everyone out? It was like, yeah, because we all want to hear this. It was one, some celebrity went on and was just like calling them all out. But yeah, just what we want to hear, another speech about where you stand on politics. Just take your awards. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, 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 I think people that, people that agree with the celebrity love it, people that don't hate it. And I think that's the issue is it's become polarizing, but yep. yeah, we can talk all day about the political side. I think the truth is everyone's sick of it. I mean, so we get to the trust in the, in the company right now and, and yeah, so trust, yeah. right up front, uh, uh, we're a month and a half away of taking the five and three year old grandchildren to Disney world. Disney sure as hell has changed a lot since I worked for them. I'll tell you that they have changed. They gotten very political. Uh-huh. I never thought I'd see that. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's, again, you have to remember, like, we can generalize everyone. I, don't, I, mean, I actually don't know where Disney's politics stand at this point, but they've always had aspects of them in politics. I've heard comments about That's Walt true. Disney's politics in the past that are right. questionable. So it, they do. I think we also are over-focused on it, too. At the end of the day, you just mentioned taking your kids to Walt Disney World. That's a good example of trust because you're going there because, you know, it's a fun place for kids. They built a right. brand. That you're you, you don't need other people to tell you that Walt Disney World or Disney World is going to be amazing. You you know what Disney World is. That's what happens when long term when you keep consistently delivering on a promise. You know that kids are going to have fun at Disney World. Like I don't think anyone would question that. Kids love it. I just I have a actually a now five year old brother that I took to Disneyland for the first time oh. a few months ago, and he uh, watching it through his eyes was incredible. Like and I'm just going to say like. I don't like Disneyland, but I had a blast that day because he was so yep. blown away because everything's real. So seeing that, there's a perpetuity there that's going to happen. Now, if Disney World or Disneyland opened today, 
and you heard this is a place that kids are going to love because there's rides and stuff, would you be grabbing your two grandkids to some new theme park just because you heard it opened and going there? I'm just going to answer for you and say no. But if you then heard a ton of press about it and you turned a bunch and you heard some people you trusted and maybe publications you trust, whatever that, wherever your trust still lies, told you it's the best thing kids have ever seen, now you might start going. So what we found is 75% of consumers won't buy from a company they don't inherently trust. Later on, that trust can come from consistency and brand and some, something the company is known for. But early on, mm-hmm. it comes from third-party validation, meaning other places that you do trust recommending this. And it's almost like borrowed yeah. trust. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Is there a list, and I guess maybe I, I should know this if there is, but is there a list of maybe 10 American companies that, uh, that Americans trust the most? Do we have such a list? I think it changes all the time. I'm, I'm sure there is some sort of list like that. Yeah, like some, you know, yeah. most admired companies, something along those lines. I don't know if people have levered it with trust. Maybe that's something we should create. But, um, oh, you know, we got a partnership, Eric. I, I the say, Eric and Tom say, trust list. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Let's we'll publish it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> in terms of, uh, I like the example, like Facebook is not on that list. And, you know, whether or not oh, Facebook has actually done all the things, they've done so bad in the press. And so bad on third-party validation saying Facebook's doing good things, it's been the opposite. So many people have constantly heard, whether it's our government or news, saying that Facebook is evil, that people believe in that. Whether or not they're actually evil, because when I dive in, have they done, made some bad decisions? Yes. But has it really been out of intent? I don't know about that. But it's been just told enough times that people believe it. And that's a whole other part of trust is what, what is said a lot becomes believed by the masses. And it's interesting, and I've watched it in politics, I've watched it, you know, and it's happened in history. If you keep saying something over and over and over again, people naturally just start to believe it. It's a weird tool that right. you have to be, it's kind of like where great power comes, great responsibility, like don't abuse this because people do, but it happens good and bad. So, you know, it's happening with Joe Rogan right now. You know, he's a yes. conservative podcaster, et cetera, and they're berating him. And then I just watched this, you know, a uh, highlight reel of all the times he talked about being liberal and supporting Hillary Clinton and thinking, saying Obama was the best president I've had in my lifetime, but apparently he's a staunch conservative. Yeah, I don't really understand that he's so, a staunch. I don't you know, see him that way at all. Uh, he's an interesting but, but guy. But really. uh, because people have said it so much. Yeah. yeah, no, and that's the whole problem. That's the whole problem with digital is just get repeated. Now, I, 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 I do make it. I understand it's a mistake, and I should be doing it because it would help me, I suppose, make a lot more money. But I do. I am not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on any platform at all because I can't stand the way they treat people, first of all. But I got a uh, – I, I do a speech once in a while, maybe about once every month or two, something like that. I go do a speech for whatever. And I got a, I got groaned at last time because I was doing a speech for some, uh, from some young people. And they asked me, why aren't you on social media? And I said, because I don't trust it. Uh, they said, what do you mean? I said, well, everybody's a tough guy from, you know, on digital, everybody, the keyboard cowboy or, you know, the, the keyboard warriors and all that. And they said, and I, you know, I got a big groan from this. I said, all I have to tell you is, I've said it before on the radio and I'll say it again, digital is eventually going to destroy the world, and I'm just really glad that Adolf Hitler never had digital. (laughs) (laughs) And people groan. Can you imagine Hitler with... Yes, sir. I I, I agree with you wholly. 
but it's an interesting debate because I also believe, like, at what point do you draw the line between right. the deliverer and the person receiving? Meaning, like, when is it my responsibility to also disseminate information and go, we all know that the news is, the fake news is a common phrase now. We all know that the stuff on Facebook is fake, that the memes yeah. we see are fake, that there's tons of misinformation out there. So why isn't my responsibility at some point, if I'm going to make decisions based on information I'm getting off the internet, shouldn't I validate it somehow? And for some reason, still the masses don't validate their information. So they go, I watch it all the time with people, especially in politics, posting memes about like, I saw the new one with Biden's, you know, distributing crack pipes. Again, I'm not that huge fan of our president either way. <laughs> and I don't know if you ever will be. That's kind of like the, the job sucks in some ways. It's hard to get high approval ratings. That being said, I know he's also not distributing crack pipes because I, the moment I saw that pop up, I Googled it, and it's article after article saying this is actually what happened and what they're talking about, and this is right. not real. So right. just take one step to validate. If, if you're going to make a decision on something, if you're seeing fake news and you don't actually take action on it, then who cares? It's not going to affect you. But if you're taking yeah. action on something, maybe validate it first. I think that's a great idea. Eric, you're a terrific guest, and I think the Eric and Tom trust list is going to be huge. We'll make tons of money. No question. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, seriously, come back on. I would love to talk to you more. But you understand the business very well, and you don't seem like you. What, what are you, like 18, 19 years old? You sound very young. I was born when you started on the radio, 1986, so I'm 35. <laughs> there you are. Oh, the same age as Andy, basically. <laughs> yeah. My son, the two of you are here soldiering. You're turning on me. I could hear it. Eric, seriously, come back. I would love to talk to you more often. <laughs> No, I would love to come back. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Eric Huberman, the book, uh, The Hawk. Uh, oh, by the way, Huberman spelled H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N, The Hawk Method, The Three Principles of Marketing That Made Over 3,000 Brands Soar. He's a very smart young man there. There's no doubt about that. Andy, why don't you get in the advertising business and create 3,000 brands? Okay. I'll do that right now. You're 35. I mean, you could do that. My extreme type B personality would go great with marketing. <laughs> Your type B personality, Tom. I gotta, I gotta tell you though, if Hitler would have had Facebook and Twitter, I think mm-hmm. he would have not been so angry because he would have been getting all the likes and thumbs ups that's that he possible. needed. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. You know? That's a good point. Eva, Eva, look! Everyone liked what I had on my Wiener Schnitzel, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, they say part of the reason he uh, became so angry and bitter was because he got kicked out of art school and couldn't. Uh, yes. Realize yep. his dream of being an artist, and uh, you know if you post a bunch of garbage on Twitter that gets a million likes, despite the fact that it sucks, that'll fill the void. Look, he would be flourishing right now with NFTs. He could be creating his own oh. uh, art NFTs. Hitler would have been in a better place, a better minds. No, I'm not protecting Hitler. Don't send me emails. I'm joking around. It's called sarcasm. <laughs> well, it's called satire. Hitler. Oh, Did you guys hear Dave Schrader? Not only is the president passing out crack pipes, as they were talking about on Tom's show, but Dave Schrader also backs Hitler. That'll be the next head- headline. Yep. So they, people literally thought the president was out there passing around crack pipes. Well, he's, he, that he'd pass some deal that they, he would, they would supply crack pipes to people in need. Where did so. that come from? I don't know. We'd have to look up the article on it. But, uh, yeah, you don't – listen, people read headlines. Yeah, that's what that's clickbait true. is all about. This is true. They read a headline. Whoa. And, that's rather oh my loud. God. Yeah, they read the headline, and then they think they know everything about the article, and that's all they need to because if it came right. out and it's on here. And what they forget is that, um, you know, some 
low level tier website might have written this article and then somebody posted it on the New York Times site and then somebody will take that link and then put it up and then it looks like it's coming from the New York Times but it's really coming from Bubba Joe's barbecue and ramblings page you know, right. on on uh, some uh, crazy ass page somewhere and and people they'll see that they'll see the New York Times or the you know the Washington Post or some major link on there and they'll assume that that means it's legit and that's the amount of research that they do all right, to close out the hour, we got Joe on the phone. Jose Olathable. That's who it is. That's his last name, Olathable? Exactly. Joe, uh, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm alive. Okay, did you read my tweet? Yes, sir, I did. Yeah, I you heard me, calling. Buster. You heard me. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. No, nah, man, we think the world of you, and we... Uh, we just encouraging uh, Joe to get rid of a bad habit. That's all. Not you know, we've all given up everything, Joe. So you may as well give it all up with us. What the hell is the difference, right? Well, I did tell you that uh, it was coming. I said I'd do it eventually. Um, what Tom's talking about is after um, thirty plus years of smoking, I decided that it's time to quit. Well, yep. actually, my body decided for me because. Um, in addition to being a fat ass, I've also got COPD from smoking. Yeah, can't can't happen, man. You, those two—that's not a good combo. No. And then you got COVID out there too. That is not good. Yeah, it's uh, become a real detriment to my my working. Um, mm-hmm. Thankfully, right now I'm uh, at the stage of whatever works available that I can that they have for me to do. And because it's so bloody cold, and these people hate the cold more than Minnesota does, everybody showed up to work. So, so Joe, that wasn't Joe dropping off, was it? Nope. Oh, you are there. Good. Because yeah, I just heard there. a dropping. I heard a drop. So, Joe, uh, is it? I don't know much about COPD. My mother actually had COPD when she died, but she lived to be 88, so that was pretty good. But... What so? What are the first? Is it just? Is it a coughing thing? Do your lungs hurt? How do you know? How well, did you get checked for COPD? My doctor, when I went in for return physical for Ford last fall, um, everything was copacetic until the doctor heard me wheezing. Oh, and Melanie tells me I I wheeze a lot, so my doctor. That doctor told me he wasn't going to let me come back until my doctor cleared me. Uh, my doctor told me that she wasn't going to clear me until I went and did the uh, cardiologist and the pulmonologist appointments. We all know how the cardiologist appointment went. And the uh, pulmonologist told me I had the beginnings of COPD and a hint of bronchitis. Oh, you got bronchitis. Yeah, Catherine's been dealing with bronchitis now for five weeks. My gosh, she didn't smoke or anything, but she's had bronchitis for five weeks. Yeah, it's lingering. It's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. a bitch to get rid of. Once you get it, you're going to keep getting it. Yeah, that's oh, what really? they say. Yeah, remember I told you that uh, at one time I had um, bronchitis, laryngitis, and pneumonia all at the same time. <laughs> Jesus. You are an overachiever, Joe. What's that? You're an overachiever. 
Uh, what can I say? I like to stand out in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, there you go. But no, I, I really like the fact that I saw that text this morning, and I just uh, no. I got to tell a quick story because people probably probably don't know this. I don't know. Was it three, four years ago? I had never met Joe, and Joe sent me. A, I don't know, was it a text? I, I don't even remember what the hell it was. He sent I me something. Called you. Well, yeah, I started texting you, then I called you. Right. And he said, I want you to meet my family in Invergrove Heights. And I think Joe almost passed out when I said, okay. And, I, and then you told me, you, you thought I said, okay, but I'd never show up. But then I did show up. Uh, I didn't get lost. I just circled the block a few times. You know, that's all it, <laughs> that's all it was. We'd know if you circled. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You would know if I circled, but... No, I, I just, if anybody takes the time to call me and say, I'd, lo- I'd love for you to meet my family, because I had never even met Joe at the time. I don't, I don't think I'd ever met you in person before then, had I? No, you haven't. I didn't think so. So the fact that I did show up and spent the day, spent a couple of hours uh, just sitting on the back deck with your parents and uh, you, and uh, I mean, there were, what, five of us, I think, back there, six of us, something like that? Uh, it was me, my mom, my dad, my sister, her husband, and Melanie. Oh. Oh, that's right, Melanie and your sister and her husband there too. So sort of like seven of us, and we just sat there, had a wonderful conversation. Uh, everybody seemed very, very relaxed, and I just think, like I said, if I'm going to come over and spend time at your house, you will not be having COPD. You heard me, right? Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure if it'll, it's ever going to go away, but quitting smoking will make it will keep it from getting worse. Right, right. Yeah, yeah you don't uh, want it getting worse. Couple people that I've talked to, you know, one one guy was telling me that um, about six months after he even six six months after he quit smoking, he was still uh, packing shit up from his lungs. Oh God, yeah, I bet that's true. I think that's absolutely true. I, uh, you know, the thing about it is, I smoked from the time I was eleven to twenty one, but I don't know that I ever inhaled. I thought I was inhaling. I thought I was French inhaling. But I never actually, th- I don't think I ever got the smoke into my lungs. It just kind of went up in my nasal cavity and then came out of my mouth. Yeah, so I don't think I actually ever more, really did smoke, right? Yeah, it sounds more like it because you'd know if you'd inhale that first, that, that first drag at that age, I would have put you right on your ass. <laughs> I suppose that's true, yes. I would imagine that is true. But And then, you know, same, well... Same thing with drinking. I drank from 11 to 21, and I stopped for about eight, nine years. Hey, we all go through it. I, the one thing about, about about this world is, is you look at other people, and they do things, and it drives you nuts. Trying to find some peace and you know moments to yourself, I get, whether it's cigarettes or alcohol, in some people's cases, it's drugs. Uh, best thing you probably do is avoid, avoid watching television, particularly the news and uh, politics, man, because... I, man, I, I literally have made announcements. I am strongly a centrist now because I can't stand either one of these parties. There, I mean, I'm talking about the extreme edges. I don't mind Democrats and I don't mind Republicans. The far left and the far right, you can keep them all. I, they're disgusting to me. Well, you saw the pictures that I sent you. I sort of sent out in the group text that Doc sent to me, right? Yep. <laughs> so you know how I feel about politics. <laughs> He goes, hee, 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 That's real nice. Well, yeah, give, okay, so have you already given up the SIGs? I have. 
Good. Well, report in once in a while. Keep in touch about it. I want to, if you need, look, if you're, you're, you're tempted, give me a call because I get up at 3.30 in the morning anyway. What the hell? I got, no, I got nothing better to do than talk to you about smoking anyway. Oh, right? I, got a better, I got a better deterrent. If I can give up drinking, I can give up cigarettes. Yep, it's true. You're, you're 100% right and do it. You've already done it, so just stay on the straight and narrow, and Joe will talk to you soon, pal. All right? Congratulations. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks. You too. You know, Dave, you know this, and Andy, you know this as well, being in a business for, what, 10 years now? That's one of the things I love about this business is the personal attachment that you, you get uh, with listeners that, uh, I mean, he sent me a text message at about, I think it was about 3 o'clock this morning talking about having COPD and he had to give up cigarettes and all the rest of it. That feels really, really good when somebody you met because you're on the air and then you got in touch with them and they, the first person they, you know, that I know of that he reached out to was me. And I, that's quite an honor, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when so. you make that kind of connection, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, man, they, they take the time to listen to this show and the morning show and they, they enjoy it. I, that's the least you can do. You can support your friend when when he needs or she needs your help. That's that's all I know. It's uh, it's just well, Andy, you've never been a smoker and you're not much of a drinker either. What do you drink about once every two three months, something like that? I don't know. It depends. I can go. I can sometimes go a year without drinking anything. Just yeah, I don't true. feel like it. Because you don't feel like it. And you've never been a smoker. Nope. Which is pretty healthy, Dave. You don't smoke, do you? No, I don't. Uh, you know, my so. mom, I grew up with my mom being a chain smoker, my dad smoking constantly. So oh, I just sure. never, I, I hated it. I didn't want to be around it. And I certainly didn't, you know, I mean, I sure took a drag or two as a teenager. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's, uh, that was about the extent of it. That is it. We'll take a break. Hour two is all on the two of you. It's get off your ass and get to work. Let's go. What do you want to talk about in the second hour? There's got to be a bunch of stuff you want to talk about, I would think. Well, hey, I, I could mention, if you want, we could talk about a couple of movies that I just checked out. Uh, love to do it. Insight. Yeah, why don't we I'd do that and do we it. can uh, kind of roll from there. We'll, we'll talk movies and TV shows. That'll be a great idea. That's coming up in just uh, in the second hour. What, about 10 minutes, Andy? Yeah. We'll be back with the family. <laughs> 